Indeed, God in his grace and mercy has shed his grace upon us in the sending of the gospel of Jesus Christ, given us a responsibility to, to share that with those that we come in contact with as well. The desire of wanting to be faithful in his service, the desire of wanting to be always faithful in his service and not to become discouraged along the way. Paul, in writing to the Galatians, and in chapter 6, Brethren, if a man is overtaken in a trespass, you who are spiritual, restore such a one in a spirit of gentleness, considering yourself, lest you also be tempted. Bear one another's burdens, and, and so fulfill the law of Christ. If anyone thinks himself to be something when he is nothing, he deceives himself. But let each one examine his own work. Then he will have rejoicing in himself alone and not in another. For each one shall bear his own load. Let him who is taught the word share in all good things with him who teaches. Do not be deceived. God is not mocked. For whatever a man sows, that shall he also reap. For he who sows to his flesh will of the flesh reap corruption. But he who sows to the Spirit will of the Spirit reap everlasting life. And let us not grow weary while doing good. For in due season we shall reap if we do not lose heart. Therefore, as we have opportunity, let us do good to all, especially those who are of the household of faith. Paul's warning of not becoming weary is one that affects all of us at one time or another, either in the physical realm and also in the spiritual realm. It's hard to always be active, involved, positive, unless we understand, again, who we are that we're working for. Paul would tell the Thessalonians as well in 2 Thessalonians 3 and verse 13, Do not grow weary in doing good. Again, been written to Christians, trying to encourage them. We live in a physical world in which we're able to judge decisions and growth and changes by physical appearances that we see. And it's hard not to want to do that in the spiritual realm as well. And it's easy to become discouraged along the way. Along the way. Because we do not see the spiritual soul, because we do not see the inward growth of an individual along the way, it's hard to observe spiritual growth. And sometimes that can become discouraging towards an individual. Again, we, we live in a, in a goal-oriented society where we set goals and we strive for them and we can see when we achieve them, we can see where we are along the line and what needs to be due to change that. And it's not always applicable in the spiritual realm. It's God's work. We are his servants. And the way he has a way of working is not always in the same way that we see things in our lives. We can labor and serve, 
and never fully know the impact that we may be having on another individual. Oftentimes we do get a glimpse of that periodically. You find an individual and you'll be able to talk with them and find out that there's somebody that had not known that what they did, what they said, the hand that they reached out, to how much it encouraged them and helped them to continue on in service to God. But again, you look back through the scriptures and you can look in Isaiah. And Isaiah is told that you're going to preach a message. But they're not going to hear what you have to say. They have ears, but they won't hear. And have eyes, but they will not see what it is that God wants them to do. And that's always been a challenge down through time with God's people. Not just their responsibility and obligation to be concerned about all. And that's always been the case. But the fact that God's people would become discouraged or they would not listen to what it is that God would have them to say. Jeremiah was to go to his people and to give a message. But again, being told, they're they're not going to hear what you have to say. And they're not going to receive you favorably in a message that you bring to them. And they didn't with Jeremiah. They tried to alter the message that he brought to them. When they realized they were not making grounds in one area, they would go along with Jeremiah, said, you're going into captivity. But the false prophet says, you're only going in for a short period of time. Jeremiah says, no, you're going in for the time that God has specified. You're going in for the full 70 years along the way. As you look in 1 Kings 18 and then into into 19, Elijah is a very interesting character to, to read and to study after. You look at 18 and you see Elijah's commitment to wanting to serve God. The willingness to contend forcefully with the prophets of Baal. Put them to the test to see who indeed is God. And ask the people how long they would hesitate between two opinions and they would not answer him a word. But as Elijah went through that tremendous battle with the prophets of Baal, And defeated them soundly, without a doubt. You get into chapter 19. And by a spoken word of Jezebel, Elijah lost his confidence and he fled. Again, it's interesting, in the light of believing that he was the only one, and several times in chapter 19... He's going to mention that. He will mention that in in verse 10, in verse 14, that I'm the only one left that is serving. And a thought that God would bring to Elijah is one that we need to be reminded of as well. Elijah, you really do not know how to count. I still have 7,000 souls that who have not bowed a knee to Baal. You're not the only one, but Elijah says, Lord, take my life. 
No one's listening. And again, what Elijah went through is given for us for instructions and for us to draw strength from. So he still speaks and still encourages. Oftentimes we're wanting, as Elijah did, wanting to see something great take place. Wants to speak to the Lord and sees a mighty wind and what it's able to do, God is not there. Various other examples that are given and God's not there. But it's that small voice that he heard that made a change. To trust God. And that's what comes down to us in the life that we live is, as Paul was warning the Galatians, do not become weary in doing good. We shall reap in due time if we faint not. And ours is to realize what we're sowing. Going to reap what we sow. We're to be sowing the spiritual food of God. We're to be scattering the seed wherever we go. Sometimes we get caught up in wanting, and as is human nature, we want to find all that good soil that brings forth a hundredfold, thirtyfold, sixtyfold, a hundredfold. But the sower scattered the seed. Everywhere. Scattered it on the pathway. Scattered among the thorns and the thistles and the rocks. And the good soil. And some of it would bear fruit. But the task was the scattering of the seed. Being about the master's business. Not becoming discouraged. Because you work for God. You serve God. And whatever we do for him does not go unnoticed by God. We shall reap if we faint not. We do not become discouraged and want to quit. The task is always there. Always looking forward. Always looking above. Looking at the things that are there in when we are discouraged, to be able to read passages that Paul gives. Let not your heart be troubled, as John would say. If you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. And I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go and prepare a place for you, I will come again to receive you unto myself, that where I am there you may be also. Let not your heart be troubled. Believe in God. Believe in Christ. Believe in the work that he's done. Believe in the work that he is doing with and through his people. Understand that there is a goal that is ahead. With a recognition that again... Paul would tell the Corinthians, we we walk by faith and not by sight. How we sow and, and how it brings forth the fruit, we may not have control over. We always have those opportunities. For those who've done the farming know that's true. You can take the ground that's not good and you can make it good. It takes time. 
It takes a determination. It takes a realization that there's a end result that is worth the, the task and the labor that goes on before it. Rocks can be removed. The thistles can be removed. But ours is again to keep focus that we are God's servants. We're about his job. And as long as there's breath in our body, there's not a cause for us to become discouraged along the way. It's always been the case that there are those that do the work and those that would like to see the work done. But there's always a work that we have to do. And again, because we do not see it with the physical eye does not mean that it's not being done. Again, the prayers. James talks about the prayers of a righteous man. The fervent prayers of a righteous man, a righteous person will avail much, accomplish much. And again, the prayers for the work, the prayers for individuals, the unfolding of those down through the years, those that have become Christians later on in their life where prayers have been offered for a long time before they've obeyed the gospel. Believing that God's work is always productive. God's work does bring about its results. And to be aware that Satan works as well. And he's successful in his work. And, excuse me, and ours is to remember 1 John 4, 4. Greater is God who's in you than Satan who's in the world. The little victories may be won by Satan, but the major victory he's lost. Revelation tells you that as you read through it. It's a reminder to us there's a big battle being waged right now. But John in his vision says, I tell you the end result. God's victorious. He will win and Satan will lose. So as you live your life, we get to to choose along the way as to exactly whose voice will we draw strength from? Whose voice will we listen to in the life that we live? Will we be willing to turn to God and draw our strength from Him? No matter what we do, human beings are involved. And human beings always see things done that could be done differently. We don't do it that way. A host of things along the way. But it's not going to work, whatever it may be. Discouragement can indeed set in. But again, the realization of who we're serving. And again, the constant battle. There's an expression again in the military terms, battle fatigue. Constantly having to be alert every moment that you live in a a battle. And being constantly aware that there's danger everywhere you step. And to do that constantly, consistently can be taxing. And one can become weary. In the physical realm, there has to be a time for rest. Spiritual realm as well, but in the spiritual realm, sometimes we forget where the strength comes from. 
Strength comes from God. You're in his service. He understands exactly what you're facing. And he gives you what you need at odds times, it seems like. That little word that encourages you to go on, that little word that presses you on just a little bit more to say, it's always too soon to quit in serving God. It's always too soon to let the world win the battle, to overwhelm us with defeat, but to keep the faith strong in God. Focus on that eternal reward, which we, we shall reap if we keep on sowing the good. Fix your eyes on Jesus, the author and the perfecter of your faith. Draw from his example, who for the joy set before him endured the, the, the shame and the cross. Keep your focus where it needs to be. Draw strength from what he has, what he has gone through for us. Again, thinking from time to time of that love of God, that long-suffering of God, the carefully planning out the execution of that plan of redemption, overcoming every obstacle that was faced before God by man, by those who were God's people. Go back to Israel coming up out of Egyptian bondage. And how soon they begin to murmur and to complain against God. And how they failed to see what God was doing with them and through them at that given moment. All they could see was the physical. We're in the desert. There's no food out here. There's no water out here. Why did you leave us, lead us out here to let us die in the wilderness? We'd been a lot better off if we remained in Egypt in slavery. But at least we had onion, garlics, and, and uh, cucumbers there. Uh, what's going on? And again, not understanding how God works goes back to Deuteronomy 8 and verse 2. God led you these 40 years in the wilderness. He led you these 40 years in the wilderness to test you, to know what, it, what was in your heart, whether you would keep his commandments or not. 40 years. Can we go endure that? Could we endure that? Forty years of being tested by God. I'm not seeing what I want to see spiritually. I'm not seeing spiritually what I think we ought to be spiritually. But the Lord wants to know what is in your heart. What's in your heart? Do you trust him? Do you love him? Do you love him enough to do his will? And to trust that he gives the increase in his time. The physical realm, we found, we found ways to get around nature, if you will. We're able to genetically alter seed to bring about its desired result. 
were able to genetically have seed made with the chemicals that it needs to resist the enemy, the weeds and so forth. We genetically altered the plants so that when they reach a certain stage, we can have them where we want them to be. We've done a lot of things genetically to alter this along the way. For those that do the casual gardening, we do the miracle grow. Whatever it takes to get things to grow quicker, produce more, that's what we want. Seeing those ads for those uh, tomato plants that you hang upside down, that always grow the big lush tomatoes. That's what we want, that produce all year long. That's what we want. And it's hard for us spiritually not to want the same thing. Not to want to genetically alter the seed, which is the word of God. To bring about a quicker result than what God says. There's a time frame. You plant the seed. The farmer is told you plant the seed. You have the early rains and you have the later rains. And you have to wait in between. And that's the hard part. For the seed to germinate. Then for it to begin to grow. And then for it to produce its fruit at the right and the proper time. God gives us those illustrations for us to use. But again, human beings tend to be impatient. We tend to live in our time frame. From the time I was born to the the time that I'm going to die, whatever that time frame is be, that's the time frame I want to live in. And so whatever I do within that time frame, I want to see the results of what I've done within that time frame. And it's the word of God says, that's not the case. We were talking in the auditorium class this morning. Again, how many of us are still reminded of the example that Cain and Abel set set in worshiping God. How many times are we reminded of other illustrations in the scriptures of that time frame? Jeremiah telling the people of his day, you're going into bondage and you're going to be there for 70 years so you might as well when you get there, you might as well just go ahead and build your houses because you're staying until it's over. Don't want to do that. The people didn't want to do that. They said, well, punish us, but we want to do it quickly. How many times are we like Micah? In Micah 6, verse 6 through 8. How many times do we want to say, just tell me the, the price for my sin and I'll pay it. You just tell me what you want, Lord, and I'll make that sacrifice. But what does the Lord require of you? To do justice, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. We just want to pay the price. Man hasn't changed a whole lot. We want to see the results again without trusting God. Jeremiah would tell the people of his day in Jeremiah 18, 1 through 6, about the potter and the clay. And God is the potter and Israel is the clay. And we forget in that as well that the potter molds the clay 
And if the clay is marred, the potter of the clay is soft, the potter is able to reshape the clay into another vessel. Ever wondered, of course we can't do the wondering, of what it would have been like if, what if Israel had really followed the Lord their God with all their heart, with all their soul, and with all their mind? What could have been the result when they went into the land of Canaan? What could have been? But Jeremiah reminds us that doesn't matter. God can take the marred vessel and he can use it for his glory. The contrast is over in chapter 19 of Jeremiah down at verse 10. If the vessel has become hardened, fired in the kiln, and it is no longer useful, all you can do with it then is just to break it into pieces. And God says that's what he's going to have to do with Israel. When you harden the heart, and that's why Paul is telling the Galatians, don't let the heart become hard. Don't become weary in the well-doing. Oh, what's the use? What difference does it make? Keep the heart soft. Keep the heart tender towards God. Trust in Him to work His will out in our lives. And we see the results, that's good. But we're sowing seeds for the kingdom that is eternal. We're sowing seeds for the kingdom. As is those who have preceded us. And as we long to be one day with those who have gone before, there will be come a time when those are those on, that will follow us that will also long for the day to, go, to be with those who have gone before. We leave a footprint through the sands of time. But the question is, in whose footprint are you following? Whose steps are leading you through this life? Jesus lived here to be able to go back to his Father. We live here to be able to go back to our Father who is in heaven. But the choice will be ours in the life that we live. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. We teach and we admonish again in our psalms and our hymns and our spiritual songs. So we're teaching each other this evening as we sing that invitation song. As you sing them, as you listen to those words, are they the words that come from your heart? Are they the words that express your soul? Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. You are the potter, and I am the clay. Mold me and shape me after your will. Have thine own way, Lord. Have thine own way. That's your heart's desire this evening? God, in his grace and his mercy, grants us time and opportunity 
to make a life right with him. So as we look at our life this evening, and as we encourage one another, we need to make that change to be able to do that this evening and to come as together we stand and sing.